Let's do remember Sister Lucia Wilder in your prayer. I know that they were debating whether to call an ambulance for her here a few minutes ago and be with her. Okay, good, good. They said they think it was her sciatic nerve, and so they're going to give her some medicine. Well, I pray that's what it is. John chapter 1, what I'm going to do is I'm going to back up to the text that we covered last week to kind of set the scene for us for this week. John chapter 1, starting in verse number 19. And this is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Art thou Elias? And he saith, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, No. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? That we may give an answer to them that sent us. What sayest thou of thyself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. And they which were sent were of the Pharisees. And they asked him and said unto him, Why baptizest thou then, if thou be not that Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom ye know not. He it is who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoe latchet I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in Bethabara, beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day John seeth, uh, Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. I, and I knew him not, but that he should be manifest, be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him, and I knew him not. But he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Un Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw... And bear record that this is the Son of God. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity as always to be in your house, to magnify your name. And our hearts and eyes are drawn to a familiar passage that has impacted us in each and every one of our lives in a different way. For some, this text here presented before us this morning will call us to an understanding that there is a Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. For those who've confessed and believed 
they are reminded of the day where their own eyes and hearts laid hold of this great truth that there is a Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. We pray that this morning that the only thing that will be lifted up is your name, that you'll hide me behind the cross and that you'll give me the words to speak. We thank you for all that you've done. We thank you for the fellowship we've had this past week. Thank you to come into a building that was clean again. People here laboring, even behind the scenes, laboring not for the sake of their name. I don't know who they are, but it's your name, Lord. We thank you for all that you've done in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here with us this morning visiting, we have began a study on the book of John. The Apostle John has not hid from us the purpose and the reason and why the Holy Spirit has moved him to write this gospel for us. The reason that John professes that this gospel was, he was moved to write this gospel is because of John chapter 20 and verse 31. But these are written... The entire gospel of John is written for one singular purpose. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Understand if you're here this morning that there is no greater need that you can have in your life than your need for Jesus Christ. That is the greatest need of the entire world. We all, even though we are saved today, many of us, we are still in desperate need of him daily. And if you're here lost in your sins, you are in desperate need of Jesus. Last week we looked at the record about whom John the Baptist said that he was. Many people had their opinions in that day about who John the Baptist was. Some said, well, you must be Elias. And according to the text we just read, he said, I am not. Well, you must be the Christ. He said, I am not. You must be that prophet spoken of in Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse 15. He would again say, I am not. Well, who do you say that you are? In verse number 23, he would say, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord as the prophet Isaiah. This is an interesting portion for us. Week after week, we've kind of returned to the thought process about John the Baptist, John the Baptist, John the Baptist. It doesn't matter which gospel you go to, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. You will find the gospel starting off very quickly with John. John the Baptist, that is. John the Baptist is the bridge from the Old Testament to the New Testament. John's arrival on the scene was prophetically fulfilled, but yet John was not the Messiah. John's goal was one goal as a whole. He said, look, look, not unto me, but look unto Jesus. Look, the Messiah is coming. The, the Christ is coming. The, the, the one who's been prophesied is coming. And it picks up this morning here. And we pick up this morning here in verse number 
29, after John the Baptist confessing that he was not the Christ, our text picks up here and says, the next day, this is the next day after John had made this confession that he was not the Christ, and that he was not Elias, that he was the forerunner to the Christ. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Here in this one verse is the entire essence of the Christian faith. The Lamb of God taketh away the sin of the world. But John in this manner doesn't just mumble these words. This isn't just some continuation of a sentence. The word behold is to empower much emphasis in the voice. John said behold. It was to cry aloud. John's intention of saying behold was to cause everyone around them to focus, to gaze, to look upon Jesus. It was to draw the eyes to, of the, all those who did not believe to the Lamb of God. Now sometimes we underestimate the landslide of information that is really just presented to us in this verse. I sometimes believe that because we are Gentiles, we don't at times at first embrace the full power of what is being said here. John said, behold, the Lamb of God. Now, understand that Israel had be, been waiting for the forerunner. We've covered that. They had been longing for the Messiah. But notice what he says here. He confesses that he is the forerunner. He is the forerunner for the Messiah, but when he makes the confession, when he finally draws everyone's eyes to their first glimpse of Jesus, he doesn't say, behold, here's your conquering king that will deliver you from Israel, or deliver you from, uh, wow, that, Rome, thank you, my brother. He's not the conquering king that will deliver you from Rome. He's, he's not the one who's here to establish and rule as your king. He's not the one here to deliver you from persecution. You know why John didn't introduce them, Jesus, in that way? Because that was not Israel's greatest problem. Uh, Israel's greatest problem was not Rome. It wasn't persecution. It wasn't any of those things at all. Indeed, he said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. That was Israel's greatest problem, sin. And that is still our greatest problem today, is the sins that exist in us. Hear me when I tell you this morning, the greatest problem you have this morning is not your bills. Keep working and you'll eventually make them through. All right? And even more, the greatest problem you have in this world is not your physical health. You can go see a doctor and get treatment. The greatest problem you have is not your retirement. It's not the threats upon this nation. The greatest problem you have today is how are you going to deal with your sins? This is why John emphasized, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Now I want you to understand, for further clarification, there is no one today without sin. 
Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's what Romans 3 says. Romans chapter 6 says that the wages of the sin that you're guilty of is death. Even more, but we have great news in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 that since no one is without sin and the wages of your sin is death, Romans 5, 8 brings good news to us because it says, but God commended his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That is what John is, has done here. This is what John is proclaiming here. Death has, to be, death has to come as payment for sins. When John gets a first glimpse of Jesus He's reminded that he's a sinner. When he gets the first glimpse of Jesus, he's reminded that there is redemption for sins, that we can be redeemed, that we can be saved, that we can be made whole. It was the overwhelming excitement in his heart that the Lamb of God had arrived, not just to take away the sins of the world, but to take away John's sins. I don't know about you, but as I was reading this text, my heart was overwhelmed about December 28, 2008 for the first time when my eyes locked hold of, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. For the first time in my life, I seen that he arrived not just to take away the world's sins, but Danny's sins. Even more, we understand that all throughout the Old Testament, not just the New Testament, we understand that there was a penalty for sin. The penalty for sin was death. But all throughout the Old Testament, there was imagery painted for us that God had always been pointing to a problem in the world, always pointing forward, always explaining the need. Leviticus chapter 4 and verse 23 tells us the requirements for the sacrifice for the atonement of sins was in the Old Testament that the lamb had to be spotless. But even more, we're presented with another problem because Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 4 says, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. And why is this a problem? Because scripture goes on to say in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22 that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Yet, the blood of bulls and goats couldn't do it. Yet, the lamb had to be spotless. Yet, we understand that all of us are guilty of sin. When he says there without the, that without the shedding of blood, there will be no remission of sins. This word remission means forgiveness, removal, liberty. The blood of bulls and goats could not do it. The requirements was to be spotless. We see the world in this moment hopeless. If Christ had not come, we would have died in our sins. But in our text, John the Baptist lays his eyes upon the one who can take away sins, the holy, spotless lamb. I can just imagine as Israel heard this testimony, behold the lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. 
I'm certain in their mind and in their understanding and in the Jewish culture, their mind was drawn to the Old Testament. Maybe some pondered about Genesis chapter 22, there where Abraham would go up the side of the mountain with Isaac, and Isaac would ask his father, Daddy, I see the fire. Daddy, I see the wood, but where is the lamb? There Abraham would promise Isaac, God will provide a lamb. Maybe some of them would begin to think about the Passover feast or the day that the Passover happened there in the Egypt when the, the, the angel of the Lord would pass over the houses. And there they would begin to think about the lamb that would be sacrificed and the, the blood that would be shed across the, the doorpost. And then that day the, the lamb would pass over the house and all who were in the house would be found safe. Mark that safe on Facebook, all right? Now listen. But this is amazing. All who were in the house were found safe. It didn't matter if the house was filled with the people who in the past were previously murderers. It didn't matter if the house was filled with people who were in the past were liars. It didn't matter if the house was filled with people who in times past were thieves. When the angel of the Lord passed over, the blood covered it all. Their eyes were and hearts were moved as they began to think about the lamb. The lamb. The lamb that would be sacrificed. The lamb that would be an atonement for sins. I'm thankful that even though I was a wretched man, that when God looks down from heaven, he sees across the doorpost of my life the blood of Jesus Christ. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. John was saying, hey, if you get covered under that blood, you will find safety. If you get covered under that blood, you will find safety. Understand this. This is also the implication of an ultimate reality. The blood of Jesus Christ, the blood of the Lamb in the Passover brought safety. The blood of Jesus Christ brings the same safety. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 says, that uh, as it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. I ask each and every one of us this morning, can you with the same excitement as John say, Behold the Lamb of God that took away my sins? This text here caused E.A. Cowper to be so moved by this thought that he wrote this hymn. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Now understand, 
this too even more here. That John's statement, John is not asking, hear me on this, John is not asking you if you understand the doctrine of atonement. There are many people today who say, I believe that Jesus Christ died to take away the sins of the world. That was not the source of John's excitement, though John was excited that he would take away the sins of the world. John's excitement was rooted and anchored that there was relief from his sins. John's excitement here even more is that he had experienced it. I'm not asking whether you understand the doctrine of atonement. I'm not asking whether you understand or not whether Jesus, whether if you repent of your sins and trust in the Lord, you will be saved. I'm not asking whether you understand it or not. I'm asking whether you have done it or not. There is a difference. Even more, John would go on to say that he has experienced what it means that Christ died for your sins. But also understand when he said, behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. This is a statement of great pain. This is no pass-by statement. Understand, if we were to say, let me bring it to our understanding in this, if I was to tell you today that today you were going to be sentenced to the electric chair or you was to be sentenced to lethal injection, that would shake us up. It would shake us up because we would realize that there is punishment coming for us. When John said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world, it was a statement of great pain. Because of what Christ would do as the Lamb of God. In order for him to shed blood, he would ultimately become the sacrifice. Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. Jesus Christ was born to die. Isaiah chapter 53 and verses 6 and 7 says about this punishment. We all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before his shearers is dumb. So he openeth not his mouth. John declares in this statement, Behold the Lamb of God, but he says more. Christ did not come to die for no cause. This statement, Behold the Lamb of God, it had a purpose. It had a use. Well, what was it? Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. His death would bring us the opportunity to find hope and safety in the ark from God's judgment. Look at verse 30 and verse 31 here. This is he of whom I said, 
After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. John's testimony was when, when he laid his eyes upon Jesus, when everyone's attention was drawn to Jesus, he said, this is the one whom I spake to you uh, about, the one that he was preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not, that he should be manifest, be made manifest to Israel. But look at the final section of this verse here. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him, and I knew him not. But he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, the same as he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Now remember, this is judicial speech again, like we talked about last week. He says, and John bear record. This is the Apostle John submitting more evidence to the case that Jesus Christ is exactly whom he says he is by John bearing the record in the spiritual courtroom saying that John bear this record that I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and abode upon him. Why is this so important that John says this? Why is this so important that the Apostle John took the record of it? And why is it so important that John the Baptist emphasized that he bared record of this very thing? Well, it's not captured in this gospel, but in the synoptic gospels, it covers this. Mark chapter 1 and verse 10 and 11, it says in straightway, Coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opened and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. And there was a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, why is this so important to us? Well, John gives this to us for the record. He said, for the record here, he said, for the record, I bear the record saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and it abode upon him, and I knew him not. But he that sent me to baptize with water, speaking of God the Father, the same said unto me, upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and I bear record that this is the Son of God. See, this is the, this is the uh, John the Baptist completing out this thought process that all of Israel believed that John the Baptist was a prophet and that he was sent from God. John did not deny that he was sent from God, but John confessed for the, for the record. Let me tell you what I was sent to do by God. 
Yes, I was sent to be the forerunner. Yes, I'm a voice crying in the wilderness. But my whole testimony is on top of that, God told me that while I'm baptizing, there will be one in whom I baptize that the Spirit will settle down in and rest upon. And my testimony is that this very same man who I'm saying, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world is the same man whom the Spirit ascended down from heaven and rested upon. Further validation to all of Israel that I am the forerunner, I am a prophet, and my message is that this is Jesus the Christ. This is the record in which he bore even more in verse number 34. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. It's hard to confess that he is a prophet sent from God and then all of a sudden say, I don't agree with his message. John says, you can't confess that you believe that I'm a prophet and not hear the record I'm presenting to you. I've presented to you the record that this is the Son of God. The Holy Spirit came and descended upon him and remained in him. His, John's message, and we're coming really to the, the end of John here. I mean, John the Baptist, not the end of the uh, Gospel of John. We have a long time for that. But we've come to the end of John the Baptist's message. But John the Baptist, when you take his message as a whole, he is calling sinners to repent, repent, repent. His purpose was to bring the hearer to the reality of their sin. But that's where his message stops. And that's where our message stops today. Our message stops. John the Baptist says, I am only here to present to you the reality of your sin. That's my message. But let me explain it even more. That there is one coming after me. This one. He has the power to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. My message is the power to point you to sin, but of your sin, but his message is the power to be changed from captivity to your sin. You see, there's the difference of it. Christ's message brought the power to change. This is the same message that I bring to you this morning. If you're here in this building, lost. I am simply here trying to bring you to the understanding of the reality of your sin. That's it. And you are in sin. And I can tell you, you need to change. And you know what? You may agree that you're in sin and you may agree that you need to change and quit some of the sinful habits that you have in your life. But you know what? You can go home and tell you that you're going to tell yourself that you're going to rehabilitate yourself. You can buy books about rehabilitating yourself and you can read them and you might be able to change some of your habits, but you still haven't changed the fact that you're a sinner. Even more, you can say, well, you know what, I'm going to change my environment up. And now that I change my environment up, that's going to help me out. And then I won't be... Uh, I won't be living in that life no more. You still have not dealt with your sin. Rehabilitation won't change you. A new environment won't change you. Books won't change you. Therapy won't change you. 
And that was John's point because only a man named Jesus Christ can change you. He came and he lived on this earth for 33 years. He was perfect in every way. He suffered and he bled and died so that the sinner could have his sin covered under the blood and find safety. John's message pointed to our sins. Jesus' message pointed that you have the power to change from your sinful life. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 and 10 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and thou shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If you're here this morning with us, I implore you, and if you're here this morning with us and you're lost, I implore you, trust in Jesus. Even more, trust in Jesus. The invitation is here to trust in Jesus. If you're lost this morning, feel free to come and have somebody kneel with you and learn about our Jesus. If you're here dealing with unconfessed sin, I, I invite you to come and trust in Jesus to get you past it. If you're looking to take a next step in your faith, I implore you to come and trust in Jesus that he will lead you every step of the way. The Lamb of God is taken away the sins of the world. Now, Satan likes to come alongside us and try to hang the sins of our past around our neck. He loves to remind us the sins of our failures, but all of my sins was hung upon the cross of Calvary. Past present and future. Listen, I know I've failed, but he's been good to me. I know I've came up short, but he's comforted me. And the one thing I'm not confused about in this life, and by the way, it's easy to get confused in this world. The one thing I'm not confused about is that Jesus Christ has forgiven me of my sins. I'm not confused at all there. He'll give us a, it's like David, I know that at times we make mistakes, but God told David, David, you ain't spared from your consequences. You're not spared from the consequences of your bad decisions. We ain't spared from the consequences. You know what? You go rob a bank today, you're going to jail. You can get saved, but he ain't getting you out of jail. You're not spared from the consequences. But what God offers to us, that if we'll just come back to the cross and repent of our sins, he will give us a fresh start and a new walk with him. At the closing, I, I, I love that really it's, it's a beautiful thing to have a, a gospel writer who's also an epistle writer, who's also the one who wrote Revelations, the apostle John here. The very last writing that John would have would be there in the book of Revelations. And John, throughout all of his writing, never lost his focus. He never did. You go turn your Bibles to Revelations 22 and 17. You know what you're going to find? John writes here, urging all who read, the spirit and the bride says, come and let him that heareth come and let him that is a thirst come and whosoever will let him take of the water of life freely. So I urge you, come. You don't have to stay where you are. You don't have to stay captive to past sin. The Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world, has come. You don't have to stay lost and undone, bound for hell. The Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world, has come. Come now. Matter of fact, by the time we make it to John chapter 9 and verse 4, Jesus will say, 
It is better to come now because there's coming a day where there's no more invitations. There's coming a day where there'll be no more chances. The urging is come and come quickly. Time is not guaranteed. So John reminds us and bears the record that a lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world entered into the world for one purpose, to redeem fallen humanity. What a Savior, really. I mean, what a Savior. But this isn't a question whether you know the doctrine of atonement. That's not the point. The question is, do you believe it? Have you made that confession? If you're living with sin in your life, then live like you believe it and get it right. If you're living and you're lost, then get it right. If you're living in bitterness, then get it right. If you're living in whatever you're living in, only Satan knows how to plague us. The Lord knows how to deliver us. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I Thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the, the, the power of your word. Lord, I thank you for the, the sweet liberty you gave me this morning just to ponder about the day you rolled my sins away. The day that they were cast afar away as the east is from the west, never to be seen again. Lord, I thank you not only for the day you saved me, but I thank you for your continual mercy upon me a sinner. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace. Lord, I pray that even today, Lord, even today, if there be someone under the sound of my voice, even if it's not here, Lord, I pray that you so grip their heart that even if it's in their own home, you make real to them their desperate need of you. We give thanks to you for all that you've done in Jesus' name. Amen.